feels like a smart idea to be working on a newsletter, an email list, a book, right? Like everybody is giving you that advice. But one of the big things that people have struggled with is when they're making written content is how do you actually get people to read that content? And that's why on one of our relationship-driven growth strategy sessions, that thing that I'm always inviting people to at the end of the show itself that we host live that I would love for you to join us, uh, Scott Marker asked us, he's got a book coming out. He's like, man, you know, I'm trying to leverage this book for speaking gigs and consulting and, and work, right? So he asked that. And we gave them a bunch of great advice on it. So if you're working on a newsletter, you got an email list, uh, you got a book coming out, anything like that, and you want people to promote it, this is really going to help you. Plus, we got a couple of other things that we always show up to uh, for the Relationship Driven Growth Strategy Session. Some great advice of the things that we're learning. I hope that you join us on the next one, but I'm going to leave you be right here. Check out this, the best advice we got. Enjoy. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. Welcome to the Relationship Driven Growth Strategy Session. We have some really, really great advice to offer from the things that Isar and I have been seeing amongst our clients, amongst our own business, amongst the, the ecosystem at large. It's great to have everybody back. You know, we obviously uh, been drinking the, you know, Refine Labs and, and Megan and Chris's Kool-Aid for a very long time, not just because of drinking the Kool-Aid, because we truly believe in the same things, right? We believe in providing value, believe in community, believe in hosting people to be a part of the journey as a way to share, you know, knowledge and value with the world. And I hope that's why you guys are here as well, because you feel a part of this journey and a part of sharing your knowledge with the people around us here. So really appreciate you guys spending the time with us. 
Awesome. So past couple strategy sessions, right? We always, Easter and I always have a couple of bullet points. We've got some stuff to share. Past couple of strategy sessions, someone's come in with a red hot question and it's led to like a better conversation that we could engineer. So is there anything like that right now? Has anybody shown up here? Do you have a, a question, something that you're dealing with as far as how to get on the door with somebody to build a marketing machine, whatever, whatever you got going on, anything? I have something. Scott. Yeah. Let's go, go Scott. Ahead. Yeah, as you know, I've getting and finished up my second book. Probably be published the next couple months. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you. I had like brain fade, and then one section I couldn't get past, and he helped me write it. So thank you very much. That was a pleasure, uh, man. Yeah. Anyway, so I wrote my first book, two thousand nine, and and uh, got me speaking to Boise State, teaching there for a while, and then it's got me some gigs. You know, like consult, like speaking gigs, paying me, and but just random. You know, it, it wouldn't. I mean. I couldn't have, I, mean, I had to have a day job, right? So now I have a day job, but I'm trying to scale up this. I got a website now, a little website. I'm trying to figure out how to launch to be, be more, I guess, rather than just wait for it, maybe be more like I see somebody comment on something on LinkedIn, say, hey, you're passionate about turnover too. Hey, I'll send you a copy of my book or let mm-hmm. them chat with you or something to try to get some more consulting gigs coming to me. So I, I've got got some offers kind of made up, but I'm kind of I'm really the infancy. And again, before it just once I put the book out, people just started coming. Not a ton, but 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 not enough. <laughs> so yeah, there, Scott, there's the question. So, Scott, have you ever my 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 target market too? I think right is companies between like two over over two million dollars. I want to keep away from startups and some of the themes in my book right about. Keep turn, sales sales turnover. How to use the CRM correctly and how to get alignment. Those are I have expertise on those. So I think B two B companies for sure. Not, nothing B two B or even though I've done both. B two B is kind of getting my focus. And companies that have that aren't startups that have you know a little bit of skin on them so they can afford to pay me money, <laughs> just like you guys. So there's yeah. my my background. Scott, are you familiar with the book The Miracle Morning? Uh. Uh-uh. So The Miracle Morning, book by Hal Elrod, it's about a morning routine. And it's become one of the most successful independently published books of all time. What Hal Elrod did was, you know, become what, this, what was it called again? Sorry. The, the Miracle Morning. Okay. Right. It's not the book that's that's really important as much as the strategy. And right. you're you're gonna be unsurprised to hear what my answer is because I'm like kind of like Gary Vee's always like make more content. Mine's always like you can always do it with a podcast. But that, <laughs> That's that's what Hal Elrod did, right? Like Hal Elrod started connecting one to one via a podcast with routine, you know, speakers about routine, efficiency, right? Like all these different platforms that that have to that have something to do with his framework of the miracle morning and then that was the way that he started getting booked on stages and then he started as the book started gaining momentum, he started interviewing people implementing the miracle morning and he just went one-to-one-to-one Johnny Appleseed style, building a podcast and a following by connecting with people through a podcast, right? And that is early in, in, the, in the days of podcasting, totally happened at a, at a very high level. I think that you can employ that same methodology for yourself, right? Like what you said, instead of think about, think about psychologically, you're connecting with somebody because you hear a pain point. You're like, hey man, let me send you your book. Let me send you my book, right? If instead you're like, hey man, Really compelling post. Bring them on to your bring them onto your podcast oh. to find out everything that they have to yeah. say, and then you know deliver 
deliver back like, yeah, in my book, I talk about this. And in my book, I talk about that. And at the end, your gift is the book without, you know, like after you've already hosted them on that experience, then they're more likely to adopt it. The other thing that I would recommend for you, Scott, figure out, figure out some kind of framework that you can teach that goes along with this book that can start to congeal this idea of achieving quick wins based on Scott Marker's idea book thing, right? Like if you could, if you can, I actually, I actually do. I have, I have something it's called my strategic customer cycle squared. And actually real quick on it is Sagram posted that he always likes to follow Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos comes out with a letter to the, to the the shareholders, right. And they ask Mm -hmm. him, this is back in 2018. They ask him what, 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 what's the next five years going to look like, you know? And he goes, you can't build a company on that. I don't know that. You got to build a company on what not's going to ch- not going to change. That is in my my first book. I did a video on it. I sent it to Sagram. He goes, "Holy crap! I teach. I have people. Companies have a problem because of, of change all the time. I have a very simple template of the eighty percent that won't change in your company. So then you can work on. So I call it the football field. Every time people come out on the field, if if he had two hundred yards, one field goal, uh, you know." But no, when they come back out on the field, right, it's the same every time, 100 yards, a ball is a certain size. So mm-hmm. I have a framework I taught my first book and then I've taught to other companies. So there, there's one that I have that it really gets people in alignment fast because I've, I've taught it for years. So listen, what, what we've done, Scott, and you've you followed us pretty well here, oh, yeah. right? Like I, th- I think that you've you've built up enough people that you know now. That if you were to combine, if you were to combine the podcast outreach strategy with sending them a book. And then invite a certain amount of the people that you did the podcast outreach strategy with, plus the book thing, to a cohort-based, hey, guys, I'm going to teach you this framework, everybody together. I'm curating a room of people that I think should all know each other, and you're going to all implement this thing together. And then and then you kick into the successes based on your framework, based on your book, kind of like content pillar of your podcast, right? Like right. that's the way to fast start this idea of having like testimonials in a feedback loop based on having read your book, based on the frameworks that you've taught them and also opening the doors to the places that are going to hire you and are, and are, and are going to be doing these things. Plus, you know, what Snow Leopard just did, right? If you get, if you get your information in the right people's hands and it's good information, that's going to enable word of mouth, which is then how, you know, you, you end up getting to where you need to be with your book, right? right? So like it starts with a one-on-one strategy, then it goes to a one-to-few strategy where you do your your cohort-based educational class. Okay. And then in time, as you have spread all these seeds, it can be a one-to-many strategy. Okay, that's that's fantastic. Thank you. Like I said, I I, add... you, you know, Nelson, the, 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 uh, he's, he's really, he's, anyway, Nelson, he, he was on DGL a lot too. He had the hat. He yeah, wrote that book yeah, about, yeah. 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 Anyway, I just talked to him the other day and, and he was saying that too. He goes, you got to get a podcast. <laughs> For sure, bro. For sure. For sure. All right. Isar, I know you got some genius. Yeah. yeah. So, so two things, one on the one-to-one and one on the one-to-many, kind of the two ends. I, I agree with Pablo, obviously a hundred percent that the one-to-few is where the real magic happens, but he already touched on this. You're saying you're trying to reach people and find people on LinkedIn and comment on their stuff and so on. Two things that I found that works extremely well in order to be able to scale that and make it more effective. One is when you try to connect with people, you get a much higher ch- much higher results. And we have that proven. Like I, I do this at scale, so I have the numbers to show, is having some affinity with them. 
So if you find groups that they belong to, you find something they follow, they're in a community, go and join that group, go and join that community, join an event that they're attending in on LinkedIn, like a LinkedIn event that they're joining, join that as well. And I was saying, if your approach is instead of, oh, this is a great comment, but it is, it's a great comment. And oh, by the way, we both attended this event, or you don't even need the comment then. It just can be, you and I both belong to this community. Let's connect. I really want to be able to provide value and cheer for you. Now, real numbers, you randomly approach somebody on LinkedIn, the replies we get, or not the replies, confirmation of connection requests is about 30%. When there's an affinity to the group, it's above 80. So you more than double your chances of people even doing the first respond to you just by being belonging to whatever something that they belong to could be an event they're going to and anything yeah. simple like that. Obviously, if you have time, start commenting on stuff that they're writing and posting, but that's if they're posting regularly. Otherwise, yeah. that strategy doesn't work. So this is on that end of things, on how you scale it. There are multiple tools out there today that allow you to do this semi-automatically so you can do less work and reach more people at a condensed amount of time. So that's on the one-to-one approaching people kind of tips. On the one-to-many kind of tips, you already have a book, meaning you started with a list of a gazillion bullet points that you want to talk about. Just do this, what you're doing today, have a decent microphone and a decent lighting, and just record the pieces one by one by one. Just spend two hours, that's it, two hours recording the best bullet points you have. On that piece right there, tell me that again. So what you just said about the recording. So the ideas I have, just start recording them. One by one. books? Okay. So create micro pieces of content, each and every one that has value that are two to four minutes each about stuff you talk about in the book. And because you already have it, you don't have to think about it because you you already thought about it and you know how to talk about it because you have to write it. So just take that and just record. Spend two hours, lock yourself in a room, quiet room, decent camera, decent lighting, record one by one by one by one by one by one by one. And now you have content to push out on LinkedIn or wherever platform you want to push it out for the next three months on daily basis that provides bits of pieces of value. And then the call to action can be come and join my mastermind or come and join my group or check out my book on Amazon or whatever it is you want the call to action. Just have one. Don't confuse people. Just have one call to action that is consistent all the time. And because people will see it again and again and again and again, you get to push that content out without having to now figure out, okay, what am I going to talk about? You already know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Good idea. Thank you very much. Very good. That's great stuff, Isar. Scott, man, my my first ever, the first guy that ever paid me to do anything for him when I was like trying to build this whole community thing was this guy, Brendan Kane, right? And he wrote this book called One Million Followers of how he built a million followers on social media in one month. And we launched like a community for him. And one of the guys was a musician. He had written some really famous songs. Like he written like We Are the Love by the Black Eyed Peas, right? Like he's written like songs that were played at the Super Bowl. And, and Brendan was like, you know, I don't know why musicians, when they're on social media, aren't on social media playing music, if that's what they're trying to convince them of. And, and I, you know, to me, it's the same thing for, a, for, a, for an author, right? Like, I think that there is, Esar's point's phenomenal. You can, you can figure out speaking points. I would say, sit down, open your book and be like, hey, I'm going to read you the chapter of this. 
and you know, like pick out your favorite yeah. segments with the book uh. clearly visible, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's not just like this is coming off a of stars thing. It's like yeah. I'm here to read you this thing from my book, right? Okay. And that way people are like, wow, that was good. That means I want the rest of the book, right? It's the same as like dropping a dropping a single and then people wanting the rest of the album. And if you and if you continue to follow that philosophy and you want to really make it a flywheel for yourself, I imagine that at some point you're going to want to release the audiobook, right? Yeah. So if you just set up a high definition, you know, camera with a microphone and you sit there and you read your book to people and whenever you want to stop, be like, oh, you know what? I wrote this part because of XYZ and this reminds me of this other thing that's not in the book. That becomes the all-time best audiobook of all time, right? Like this is a trend that's happening in audiobooks. And it's the fact that the first time I saw it, I think the first time anybody ever did it was David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me, where he had the ghostwriter read the audiobook. And in certain moments of the audiobook, Goggins would pop in and be like, oh yeah, there's a story behind that and like start giving color. Now that's a great, now that's a great idea because I'm not a very good reader. Yeah. I mean, be able to read stuff. And so yeah. that'd be perfect. Have a ghostwriter do it and then me jump in. That 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 would be good. Yeah. Or or somebody that wants to or some or somebody that wants to do it, right? But like, yeah. or or think about it now. Like, if you want to create a content stream that's going to publicize this, you know, it's one thing to pay somebody to read your book for you. It's another thing to pay somebody to read your book for you, but you're also going to record it on camera and then you're going to come in and live and have these discussions. And then it's also going to be every piece of micro content you'll ever need for the next 200 years. You know, like, like think about how you can keep adding to that. And that now becomes somebody reading the book on tape and you being there like, yep, when I wrote that, blah, 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 you know, like it becomes uh-huh. extra valuable and it just adds, you know, you're going to have to pay someone to do it and you're going to have to pay for mics or whatever. But like, if you can get more out of it, it's kind of at the basis of everything Easter and I do. It's just like the, the injection of, of, of strategy yeah. to your content creation that includes interactions with people will always provide more value out of the content that you're making. So think about it that way. And to to add one last thing to what Pablo just said, to piggyback on top of that, when you take stuff from the book, because the book is always vanilla, right? You try to write it to be relevant to as many people as possible. When you take pieces from the book and have a conversation with somebody, now you're contextualizing it to a specific situation, a specific problem, a specific scenario, specific size of company, specific location in the world, right? So now, oh my God, it's just like my company versus a generic book. Yeah. So when you're co-creating the content with somebody who is your target audience, by definition, it becomes a lot more real to the people you wrote the book for that are probably the people who will hire you, right? So if you figure that out, like all now I'm trying to connect all the thoughts of everything we talked about together. If you create content that will attract the right people, and then with that content, you bring people to discuss those things. And once you discuss those things with them, you have more content that is more specific to their case, but is still distilled from the ideas in the book. That's gold. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, Go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. 
hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. Yeah, man, I can't appreciate it. I don't want to hog the whole time. But man, this has been just fantastic. I really appreciate it. And we this promise is- to send you the recording of the first 15 minutes of this so yeah. you have it all recorded so oh, you know, yeah. oh, oh did you do, you do that say? i was gonna say because there's so many good good ideas so i want to make sure yeah, yeah, we'll, this out. We'll, we'll release right. this on my podcast also you'll be right. able to release it and we'll send you the recordings right. and that's why you got to come to strategy sessions people you got questions <laughs> we got answers all right yeah. isar what's your what's your go-to man i know you got something you've been sitting on for a little bit that's yeah really cool. it's been so again you know us we talk about how marketing is changing and how marketing needs to stop trying to push people through downloading you know, shit that they don't need in order to send them a million emails and, and spend a lot of money in ads and all these kind of things. And we say it's about relationship out. And how do you build relationships and how do you use that content in order to attract the right people, which is what we're doing right now. And in my head, it was always a marketing action. And last week or two weeks ago, I got to interview a fascinating guy. He's a CEO and a founder of a company called Treeline, and his name is Dan Fantasia, and they are they do salespeople placement, right? They find salespeople for multiple companies around the country. They've been doing it for 21 years. They uh-huh. win every freaking award you can imagine every single year from best places to work to Inc. 5000 mm-hmm. to Fast 50 to like... So they're very good at what they do as far as finding and placing salespeople in sales organizations. And we had a very interesting conversation, mostly about core values and how you build a compelling company. But then I asked him about what has changed in the sales world, in salespeople in the past few years. And what he said blew my mind, which is exactly what we're talking about. Marketing is happening in the sales world, meaning companies are looking for salespeople that instead of being great closers, are great great people who know how to educate, who know how to build relationships, who know how to create content streams on their own that will provide value to their audience. And this was to me like the light bulb went above my head that it's not about just marketing, is this notion of in order to grow a business, everybody who's customer facing has to be able to be an educator and provide value above anything else is the key to success of companies and the future is there. And the more companies understand that quickly and enable that, and again, that ties perfectly to the conversation Pablo just had with Megan. If you become an enabler of that, instead of like, oh, no, 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 you do this. Instead of saying to anybody in your company, this is what I need you to do, you tell them, I would love you to be able to create educational content that can grow you. And I will help you do that. And I will support you in systems, processes, distribution, and tools. You will grow a healthier environment, like Megan said, but you will also gain from the sales benefits as being the educator of your industry and or your niche. And again, this was just a big aha moment for me of like, it's not just marketing, it's everything in your business or everything that's customer facing. Awesome, man. Yeah. When Isar brought this point up to me, it was, I'm just like, yeah, man, how have we not made any content about this yet? Great stuff, right? Because as 
social media has become a thing, right? Like we all stuck on this idea of social media is ruining the world. At the end of the day, what social media has done is allowed everybody to become a marketer, right? It has allowed everybody to communicate at scale. So now what happens is salespeople have the ability to not just be salespeople, but also be marketers. So it is yeah. it is in their best interest to add marketing skill sets to their tool, but tool belt. Marketers, because content creation has become so easy, don't have to spend as much time on the minutia of design and the tools and technology. It has allowed them to become networkers, right? So now they can view marketing the way that networking happens. And CEOs who before used to have to worry about managing sales and marketing and doing all this stuff now have the opportunity to become community builders. So I, I, I think as, as the proliferation of technology and communications has become more accessible to everybody, if you're not adding this you know, skill to your skill set and you're only focused on, yes, you got, you still got to be good at sales to do sales, right? Like you still got to be able to like manage a conversation and, and say, and handle objections and, and find the real pain points so that you can do that. But if you don't, you can also do that online 24 seven all the time (laughs) as a, as a, as a marketer. Yes. You're able to publish newsletters and yes, you're able to, you know, create product brochures or whatever, but the idea that you can do it from the standpoint of how a person that knows how to network can do it, right? Like how do you build relationships in the content creation engine so that you are not just creating marketing, but you're also building a network is in everybody's best interest. And as a CEO, if you're not you know, using all these tools to figure out how to get your two best clients having a casual conversation about how much they like you in front of a prospect. (laughs) And you're not building a community, not creating these like environments where this can happen, then everybody is just, you know, missing out on the upside of leveling up their skill set of increasing exponential value to what they can bring and cutting short their income. I have a, not a pushback, but a different angle. Okay. That will help. Is it, my book couldn't have come out at a better time because there's several large studies that like Gartner, Harvard, a business review had an article on there and more and more B2B buyers don't want a salesperson at all involved. Right. So like when Chris Walker talks about, he says, oh, well, once they get to a point, we let them decide when they talk, talk to a salesperson, companies have it wrong. They don't want to talk to a salesperson. They want to talk to someone who cares about them, right? About their best interest and is an expert at how their offerings specifically help companies like them, right? So you're going to be a consultant at helping customers with your offerings and get and the sales, the whole sales thing, you're closing customers. No, you're converting people into profitable new customers. So it's, it's a different way, but I'm just saying that you got to be careful. Everyone's in sales. Well, guess what? Buyers nowadays don't want to talk to salespeople. So no, you want to you want to be an expert at helping. So not selling, helping. Yeah. yeah. And I know everybody knows that, but still you got to be careful. I want to connect a few of the points that we talked yeah. about. And it goes back 20 years, and then it will connect back to what you just said, Scott, which is happening right now. 20 years ago, there was no internet, or it was relatively new. Meaning your only way, your only way to know what is a product or a service that a company provides was to talk to a salesperson. They would explain to you, why does it solve your problem? They would have to understand what your problem is. So they would have to have a conversation from a very curious point of view, from a very investigational point of view of like, what's your organization like? 
what is it that you do? What problem rooms are you struggling with to figure out how to, A, if their product is really the solution for it, and if it is, how to present it in the most relevant way. That was the only thing that existed. Today, that's not a necessity anymore because there are websites and forums and podcasts and comparison sites and review sites. Like you can learn everything about a product or a service without talking ever to a salesperson. What you need the salesperson for is the last 5%, right? Is the things that are going back to contextualizing things, right? Now it's me. It's not this generic problem. This is me. I have three people in my team. This is the problem that we're having. I think your product can help me. Can it? And how is it different than the other product that I'm looking at? And that's what salespeople and organization needs to provide today is this the, the last mile, right? Is is yeah. is you need to be able to explain to people the last, very last thing and how it relates to them, their problem, their organization, their setup, their people. And if you can do that, you earn their trust and they will become your customers for a very long time. You don't have to convince them that you're the best. You have to consult them How does that best solve their problem? Going back to what you had to do 20 years ago before the internet existed, but you don't have to tell them the full story. So I think that's kind of like where the world is going for sales and marketing in general is being this advisory role to people who can benefit from from using your product or service. But that doesn't have to be a salesperson. What I'm saying is salespeople have KPIs have nothing to do about the buyers. They're about how many phone calls you did, how many emails you put out, and how many closes you got, right? So get rid of the KPIs, have buyers set your KPIs, and then have now the last mile, the last way you want to call it, are industry experts. And that's where in my book, I'm going to certify companies saying, we're, we're sales KPI-free company, meaning that we don't make any commissions off of this sale. So we're going to do the best thing for you. And we actually make money on retention. And so we want to keep people. Anyway, there's coming some things. So just, it's a little nuances, but I tell you, going forward, we have to be real careful because the, the, the trends are showing that B2B buyers don't want to talk to salespeople. It's because the KPIs is why, because they know they don't have the best interest. It, is If they can make, if, they, if, I, if I close a deal and I'm going to make $50,000, do you think if, the, if, if maybe you're not the best fit, but I'm having a tough month, that, that 50 grand is not going to, of course, it's going to bias you. And that's why people don't want to talk to salespeople. Because they're guys are not not their best interest. Anyway, don't want to get too much in the ditch on that, but just industry experts are the way to go in the future and helpers. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Don, you're raising your hand. What's up? I'm just listening to what Scott's saying about how people, how a lot of the people in B2B are not interested in talking to salespeople. And I find the opposite that if we are showcasing our team on what we're looking for then I think it all comes down to the intention of the KPIs and how that they are embedded within our team and how they approach the business owners of the B2B rather than the B2C communities because if I've got someone who's coming to me I mean, I don't call myself a CEO because I don't have a board of directors. It's not made that title hasn't quite made its way over to the UK for what for people who have smaller non-corporate companies. But for me, 
I think, again, everything comes down to intention. If you're just plying your salespeople with, and I think this picks up on Mike's comment earlier, if you're just plying your sales team with KPIs without full understanding of what their own KPIs are, their personal ones, then how are they going to be actually engaged? I've always, over the last 23 years, all the salespeople I've ever had, I've said, right, okay, if we were to hit this goal for your sales targets, what is it that you are investing with that commission into what it is that you're doing in your own life? And I think that once we've got that engagement, no, not, I don't think, I know, once we've got them engaged in that, the way they approach the sales is completely different. And if we know that, you know what, you didn't hit your targets this month or you only just hit your target this month, what is it about this environment or this space or your role or your training? And we always bring it back to us. Now, for me, this is simple stuff. This is business 101, sales training 101. But I'm always so surprised at how so many people don't get it. They, they don't get that alignment between the company targets, the team targets, and the client targets. It's a pyramid. When all three of those, and I don't... Wells Fargo is not a very good example, is it? No, <laughs> no. no so let's be serious here. Even me, me as a Brit knows that we don't bank at Wells Fargo. <laughs> I'll do what they did. But no, I, I'm, just, I'm just going down that, that Wells Fargo, real quick. Wells Fargo CEO made it a, a, a mantra that everybody in the, was a salesperson and they gave everybody really high goals. They gave everybody really, really high goals and then put the pressure on them to meet these really high goals. Yeah, no, I and get that. I went, studied it went, that. It went viral. Study. It went viral. Yeah. And they yeah. pushed out the CEO. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I, I I studied that as a business model for human rights. And because what they were doing was they were infringing human rights. They were abusing their team. But everybody is a salesperson. Every single one of us. Whether it's me trying to convince my dog to eat the dog biscuits or whether it's me convincing someone to buy a book or be in a podcast or to give me a loan or to give me, you know, my curtains or whatever it is, whatever we're doing in life, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all salespeople, all of us, every single one of us, even those of us who don't like sales or have had issues with sales in the past, every single one of us is a salesperson. And people forget that. We have to be Don the... I think, Don, the question becomes, yes, obviously, you're like, if, if a salesperson is, I'm trying to convince somebody to do something, then everybody's a salesperson several times a day, right? Because we try to get our kids to eat healthy food. We try to get, like you're saying, our friends to go to a specific movie versus the other, like, it's it's part of that. But I think the the critical aspect is the why, right? Is the reason you want to sell that something a good reason? I want my kids to eat healthy food because it's healthy, not because I'm gaining any benefit from them eating, you know, salad instead of chocolate. So, and the same thing comes to business, right? If my goal is to serve the people that I'm trying to serve, truly serve them, like to make their after situation, so the before and after, if their after situation, is better than their before situation, then I'm doing it for the right reason. If I'm doing it because I'm going to get a, a $50,000 check, going back to what Scott said, then I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Now, if the two are aligned, it's perfect. So going back to what Scott said, 
if I'm getting paid when we retain customers because they really like the product or service, it means I sold it to them because it really solves their problem. I think it's a phenomenal alignment, right? So if you find a way to align the motivation with doing the right thing, you win every time. And so I I love Scott the, the the points you bring, and I love what you're saying, Don. Like I agree with you. We're all salespeople. The, the question is, why are you selling what you're selling? All right, good topic. I love a I love a spirited debate here. You know, I can say that I I used to have these I used to have misconceptions about sales, and the the more that I have, you know, really dedicated myself to trying to increase revenue so that we can hire awesome people and have great talent, I've realized that it really is a it really is an exercise in empathy and and finding out you know, what is the thing that is really bothering somebody that you can help with the most and how can you communicate that the most effectively, you know? So I I, I don't want this to come off in any way that we're anti-sales or anything like that. I, I do agree with you, Scott, of, you know, if you are, if you're incentivizing the wrong things and the industry at large is doing that, then we're going to get bad results. And, and, and I do agree with you, Don, in the sense that like, we're always, you know, trying to, human beings are incentivized to act in their own best interest. So like, we got to act in people's best interests and everyone's going to, you know, get along a little bit better. So I would love to, I would love to move into a couple of lessons that we've learned recently in some stuff that we talk about when we onboard clients, we talk about on the bootcamp and, you know, it's not always listened to, but we're right. So it has to, <laughs> has to do with how you how you go about the strategy of if you are going to have a content stream, what you're going to name it and how that affects how you, you know, and what you talk about and how that affects the your ability to execute on it, right? And we always start by talking about this idea that when you're going to create a content stream, the number one thing that you need to ask yourself is... What do your clients need? What are the people that you are trying to serve? What is important to them, right? And we often make the false assumption that the number one thing that they need is me, my service, my product. But we always encourage people to open the net, right? Like we mentioned Brendan Kane, my first client ever on this call a little while earlier. He he also spoke about this topic of when you are creating content, you are casting out a wide net and you want the initial kind of like wide net to go as wide as possible. And through the content, you kind of maneuver it down this path towards the thing that you are, you know, trying to highlight or the thing, the the point you're trying to prove or the educational piece you're trying to, that you're trying to get to. And when it comes to naming shows, you know, it's some some folks when they go to start their content stream they think well i've got all this stuff to talk about and and one of our one of our clients you know they're very actively creating a movement within healthcare right like there is a there's a problem with hospital acquired infections that is very solvable and it costs a lot of money and it costs lives and they really are generally in it to solve it and we knew that that is a passionate subject that people wanted to talk about but we also you know talked about the idea of if we go hard down this path if the thing that you're trying to create is a weekly show where you're connecting with different people to talk about it at a certain point that is that is probably going to narrow down and we try to create our content lanes around other things and they were so passionate about their cause which is amazing 
that they wanted to name it about it and talk about it. And now as now as year one wraps up in this effort, it's been wildly successful for them. It's worked really, really well, but they're having a really hard time finding people to bring on the show. And as we're reaching out to folks to come on the show, the first thing is like, well, I'm not an infection control expert. Why do I want to come on the show? And that's making it really difficult to produce it. If you're going to produce a YouTube channel, if you're going to talk about a show and it's going to be done in a relationship out fashion, the strategy that you want to start off with is this idea of a wider net, because even though you may have a whole bunch of topics in the bank, right? We also see this strategy as like, well, I want to have a a solo podcast because I've got like 30 things to talk about. Well, guess what? Half a year in, you're out of things to talk about. (laughs) And it becomes a really big lift, right? So this thing that we talk about of how you can build a relationship flywheel based on doing this and it feeds all these other things within it is the idea that if you can cast a wide net, cast a wider net than you think in your content and use the content to steer the conversation at least part of it into the thing that you really want to talk about and getting people's takes on it. But if you said it too much about the one thing that you want to talk about, it's going to become much more cumbersome for you to, to lift it as time goes on. And we've seen this over and over. Nobody's going to get it. You know, like we're like, eh, we got a good community. We got people that are, that are bought in on it. And we're like, cool. It's just in, in time, it's going to get harder for you. Right. We've always, we've always gone back to our, you know, the the show that we talk about all the time, the Not Your Average Investor show, right? Like Greg Cohen from JWB really, really wanted to go hard at this idea of calling it the rental property investing show or the Jacksonville rental property investing show. And we're like, listen, man, if we start that, you're going to immediately attract all these folks, but eventually you're going to run out of people to talk to. And because he listened to it and because we've kept this wide net, we've been able to pivot through different cycles of the market from you know, when we first were just trying to educate people that rental properties was great, it probably could have been called the rental property investing show. At a certain point, you know, it was all about how the Jacksonville market is just going freaking bananas. It could have been called the Jacksonville investing show. Now that, you know, everything is so much murkier with the economy going, we're having to talk about different asset classes and how it relates to rental property investing. So we've been lucky that we have continued with the name, not your average investor. We can bring people from crypto. We can bring people from trailer park investing. You know, like there's all these different things that we've been able to incorporate seamlessly. We've been able to bring the mayor, a past mayor of Jacksonville in, right? Because you can always, if the net is wide enough, then people can see themselves in it as opposed to a very narrow net when you name something, making it harder for you to get guests. Like it it takes, it sounds silly, but an extra email to explain why they belong on it will greatly reduce the amount of guests that you have on your show. And that's what we are experiencing right now when we could have, instead of calling it clean talk, we could have, we could have, we could have called it, you know, the things that, the things that we're proposing right now is disrupting healthcare or, you know, like healthcare technology show, right? Like things that are a wider net that include their ICP of who they end up doing business with that can talk about a whole bunch of different things. Yet, because it's called clean talk, it makes it a little bit harder of a pitch. So our solution is that we went from, we're going to be changing it from clean talk, the state of infection control, right? Straight out of Refine Labs book to clean talk, disrupt, innovating healthcare for better healthcare outcomes, 
right? Like, so, so now we can bring in other people that are technologists and operators in the space and, and doing new things and talk about the idea that, Hey, where does curing hospital acquired infections fall into the spectrum within the conversation, as opposed to all that. That makes sense. Issa, you were muted, bro. You just know I'm talking because I'm talking with my hands. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> to piggyback on top of that, the same thing goes for the headline you give any piece of content you give, right? So if you call something very, very, very specific, a lot of people kind of browse through it. And if you if you try to give a name for your content that will attract more people. So the headline of your video, the first line of your newsletter, the subject line of your email, whatever it is that you're doing, if you make it something that addresses a broader problem that then as people read becomes more specific, and then they can decide whether that that is for them or not, instead of just very early on saying, oh, that's not for me, even though it might be but you made it very specific. So the same idea of casting a wider net in the first impression is very important. And then people through the actual content can pick if that's for them or not. And, and then it's and then it's a better, because it's a self-selecting mechanism one way or the other, right? People will choose whether they want to watch the content, follow you on social, et cetera. But if you very much narrow the topics, you will lose a lot of people that otherwise would connect with you, would follow you, and potentially would want to work with you. So I think it's that's the generalization of what Pablo is saying about a show and the name of the show. Yeah. So another example of that is I just recently took this awesome tour of Jacksonville, right? Like this guy started this like Art Bikes Jacks company, and it's these e-bikes that he has gotten these artists to commission, like commission artists to paint them. And he gives this like tour of architecture and history and blah, 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 blah. And art around Jacksonville, really cool experience. Took my wife on it, got some points, needed them. And as I'm talking to him about it, you know, he was, he was talking, he was talking about this, you know, he's starting the art bikes Jack's podcast. Right. And as I was like on the tour with him, just talking marketing, whatever, you know, giving him, I'm like, oh, that's cool. You're starting a podcast, blah, blah, blah. Who is, who are the people that tend to come on this tour? And he's like, you know, it's usually people that are new to town and they're checking things out, right? Or it's somebody that's been here for a while and is trying to like figure out what's new in town that are, that, that, that are coming through. And I'm getting a bunch of just like really important city officials and like active city leaders, as well as like yesterday, some guy who is took a job at the Budweiser bottling plant down the street, his mom came to visit. So he brought him on this. And we actually ended up running into them on on, on our tour because they were at this like arts market. And it was really cool. I was like, oh, you're the guy from Budweiser. So anyways, I digress. As I started talking about it, I'm like, listen, man, I think that it sounds to me that a lot of people that are interested in what's happening in Jack's are coming on this tour and they likely, you're likely not the only stop that they make, right? So they're probably really well-educated on what else is happening in Jacksonville, right? Like I found you because I was researching what is something cool to do in Jacksonville and I found you. So if you were to rename your podcast to the new to Jacksonville show, then you could have a conversation with everybody that shows up on your tour, whether they're new to Jacksonville or not, about recommendations on like 
what is there to do in Jacksonville that people don't know about that you like doing? And within it is implied this idea that they've come on this art tour. And now you have this perpetual motion flywheel and a very searchable topic where people are going to find you that are looking for the type of thing that you do. And then from a wide net, they're going to be carried down a narrative to book your service, right? So I feel like I totally shat the bed on the clean talk thing. But to me, this is the point that I'm that I'm also trying to illustrate, right? The other one was about guest outreach. This is more about the effect of you can have these conversations with a wider audience that end up leading to the final conclusion, which is what you do is really, really interesting if you can position it well and thread it together. That makes sense? Anybody has questions? Because there's been a good chat in the chat, and I want to see if anybody wants to ask a question, follow up to this, whether Don with regards to niching down or Lee with his point of view on this. Oh, yeah, I'm in on this, right? So the idea of you got to niche down, yes, you need to speak like you as your business should try to make it so that your clients are your next client is as similar to your next client as possible because that is this compounding flywheel of like the more that you know their life, the better your next conversation is going to go. Niching down. Category design, being different instead of better. Category design has to do with how you differentiate yourself from the level of what your category is, right? Like what is the problem that you're solving? Your product, like how is your product different than everything else? And your business model. How is your business model different than everything else? That's called the magic triangle of category design. The more that you can be different and unique in those, the more you're designing a category. What I'm talking about is in a content stream, in order to cast the widest net possible to then juxtaposition it to your category or put it in relation to your category, right? Because if you're going to be different, the thing that is going to be the hardest for you, which Easter and I have lived this for a long time, right? Like we are very different in what we preach and what we do and what we offer. We're not a podcast agency. We're not a freaking marketing agency. Like we're not, like you can't put us in it. We are a category of what we do, right? Like we are content engagements. We only do relationship out things. We're the only ones that produce internet talk shows as ways to grow a community, to grow your business, right? So because of that, we need to position what we do next to other things that may look, feel, sound like it, or next to other things that the people that we want to do business with are interested in, right? So that is why we know that if you want to grow a community, you're probably going to want to know about building a talent destination. If you're going to want to grow a community, you're probably going to want to know about how ClickUp does viral content and 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 grows people, right? Like all of our topics for the show. Notice that I'm not talking about community on every show. There's a couple of shows of community, like Esar interviewed Deb about community platforms. We have multiple shows that title is community, but more than anything, we're talking about wider things and then talking about how community fits into it in order to, you know, add value to what how community fits into all these other things. So, you know, that is where we fit in, right? Like in that, in that lane of community creation for business development. So I kind of, I kind of ranted there for, for the difference between category design and what we're talking about here. Is that clear? Yeah. And my, I, I want to add for Dawn, it's, it's, especially when you're differentiating, when you're doing something different, when you're building your own category, it's very, very hard to talk about your thing because nobody knows your thing. So think about every new thing and, you know, the biggest, latest example that everybody likes to is not that. It's been a while, but like iPhone. If Apple said, "Oh, we created this iPhone," it's just like, "What the fuck is this? Like, w- 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 like what is it?" They didn't say we created an iPhone. 
They didn't even say they created a smartphone. They showed what problems it solved, right? If you remember the very first video of the iPhone, it's a camera, you can talk, you can text, you can browse the internet, you can do like they created a broader net. Like, oh, it's a camera. Oh, I like cameras. I would like to have a camera in my pocket. Oh, I like to browse the internet. Now I can do this on the go. I don't have to be next to my computer. Ooh, so they've created this wider net of things that people can relate to going back to our previous chat, <laughs> Don, of what problems do I solve? If I would have said, I have this smartphone that is amazing. I'm like, what the hell is a smartphone? I, I don't need that because I don't know I need that because I don't know what problems it solves. So if you can, in your content, address problems that people are trying to solve and topics and use figures of speech, speech that the people you're trying to serve are using, they will be attracted to your content, which then allows you to describe the unique thing that you do. But if you start with a unique thing that you do, then, then that's it. That's where it ends. If people don't get it and they don't get that this relates to them and it solves their problem, you will never be able to attract them into your circle. And hence, they will not become your clients. So casting the wider net in the content does not contradict being niched down with your product or service. It's a way to get people who do not get you to understand you because they understand other stuff that you're talking about and that attracts them to listen to what you're saying. Does that make sense, Don? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a very not convinced, yeah, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I appreciate that despite the fact that some of the things are not to your taste, you stuck around because you do see in the long term, you see value in 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 this community, if not in in the things that we're sharing, and and with respect to the community, it's six thirty, right? And so I know you guys, most of you have been here for two hours, and we really appreciate the fact that you have been here for two hours. But we want to respect your time, and we really love the fact that you are here with us, some of you every single week, and sharing ideas and sharing the things you like and the things you don't like. They both are very much part of this conversation and this community and this journey for all of us. So I appreciate it. I love the questions. Again, going back to Scott, great question in the beginning. It's it's exactly why we're here, right? If, if we can answer questions more than bring our own topics or and then obviously combine the two is where we feel we provide the most amount of value to you. And this is where we have the most amount of fun because we're providing value. So please bring, if you have these kind of questions, absolutely bring them on. If you have more thoughts about it, Scott, now that you kind of let it simmer for a while and you want to bring it on, absolutely bring it on. And uh, and that's it. Have an amazing week. Pablo, any final words? Nah, man, you said it great. Just always, always really, really grateful to see all your faces and the idea that you take this time on a Monday to hang out and add value. So appreciate you. I'll see you next week. See ya. Bye, everyone. Well, there you go. That's the best advice we got. <laughs> Hope uh, it was useful to you. Shout out to Jenny Weigel, who was the first one that when we first published these uh, relationship-driven growth strategy sessions was like, oh, I'm missing out. I got to show up to these. <laughs> so shout out Jenny for encouraging us to publish more of these. And I'm doing this because I want you to show up, right? If you got a question, we want to help. If it has to do with content, community, outreach, sales, marketing advice, right? Like this is my way to help as many people as possible. Hopefully this helps you today without even having to show up. But if you have a specific thing, 
www.thepodcastmarketingmusicgroup.com right the registration's in the show notes it's the same registration as the show so you can come at 4 30 eastern and be there to watch whoever is uh the the star of the show and interact and meet them and pick their brain and then you can stick around for the strategy session or you can just show up somewhere sometime around 4 25 i mean 5 25 5 30 and just come from the strategy sessions either way i want to help you i want to see you So just go to the show notes, register and put it on your calendar, show up whenever you want. You don't have to show up every week. You're just going to get a reminder of what's coming up and uh, never forget relationships will always, always, always beat transactions.